All right, good afternoon. Good afternoon. We see some that are popping on and uh, others will be as well. We welcome you to our midweek Bible study here at Lakeside Church in Yakinville. Uh, we are so glad to have you joining on with us uh, tonight and uh, we just encourage you to share this uh, as you are hopping on so that the word can continue to go forth. Uh, just a couple announcements. Remember, our Sunday morning services are at 10.30 a.m. And we just want to remind everybody that the doors of the sanctuary are open. Um, it is legal and we have plenty of seating here for us to be able to maintain the social distancing, if you will. If you want to wear a mask and you're not comfortable coming without one, don't be, uh, don't be scared to put it on. Feel free. Uh, to wear it. You're more than welcome to. We're not going to ban you. Uh, if you want to wear a mask, go right ahead and do it. Um, we're not shaking hands or anything like that. And we got plenty of hand sanitizer, plenty of room. So we want to encourage you to be out. Um, you know, church is important and there's nothing like coming together as one body and fellowshipping. And uh, uh, people are telling us from other states that are watching in how they wish that they could be here. So those of you that are local, make every attempt to be here every time that the doors are open up. Uh, we know that you can watch from home, but it's good to come together yes. into the house of the Lord because you know as well as I do, it's not the same as online, but we are thankful that the online is available so that when people can't come or those that are too far out as far as in other states uh, that can't of course attend, they can watch online. So again, we thank each and every one of you that are watching, share this video. 10.30 a.m. service on Sunday morning as well as our 6 p.m. service on Sunday evening. Uh, a couple more announcements. Uh, start beginning to um, spread the word. We will be having a vacation Bible school here uh, this year. Uh, our dates are July 24th, 25th, and 26th. Uh, our theme will be rescue. And uh, there's a lot of things that we're going to do with that. Uh, we've got people from our uh, sister church that will be coming down here and helping us. Uh, a lot of activities, crafts, most importantly, praise and worship for the kids, as well as um, the lessons that will be taught. But don't sit back and think, adults, this isn't for you, because I'm blessed to see the children blessed, and I get blessed by it as well. And we can use all the volunteers uh, that are needed. So even if you don't go to this church or haven't ever set foot in it, uh, don't think that you can't attend or bring your children. This is for all ages of our young people, and we're doing this for them on July 24th, 25th, and 26th. And so uh, just uh, go ahead and start spreading that word. The times for that will come forth at a later uh, date, but as of right now, put it down on your calendars. Spread the word July 24th, 25th, and 26th. Uh, to be here as well as we will be starting up our men and women's meetings uh, for the church in the month of June as well uh, there'll be more information to come out with that this is an exciting uh, ministry that I believe the Lord is going to flourish in mightily uh, within the church all right so again we're thankful I, um, I know that a lot of you are faithful to watch and we hello to all of you that are saying hello and we welcome you again for being here as we see more people as hopped on. So we're going to get into our Romans Bible study, but before we do, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And remember, um, if I'm not looking directly at you, it's because we have others here in the sanctuary that I look at as well. So I pop back and forth. But anyway, uh, we will be in Romans chapter 6 again, where we have been for the last four weeks. But before we go into the Word, we just want to go to the Lord in prayer. 
Uh, we know that there are many needs that are out there. Some of you have uh, reached out to us and let uh, us know them and to know that we are praying for you guys and of course our church body continuously stays and I pray for you guys each and every single day. So uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Listen, I may can't lay hands on you and it don't matter. I don't need to lay hands on you. You've got one right there who wants to touch you and he can meet you at your point of need. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the name of your son Jesus. And Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, for the privilege and the honor to be able to step into the throne room of grace. Lord, it's not a throne room of condemnation. It's not a throne room of judgment, but God, it is a throne room of grace, Lord, that there, Lord, we first receive mercy. And then we receive the grace and the help that we need, Lord. And I'm so thankful that we've got the honor to call you Father tonight, Lord. To know that we were once aliens, that we were once foreigners. Lord, that we were once estranged and enemies of yours. But Lord, you came by our way. You saved us by your marvelous grace. You called us out of the darkness that we were in and brought us into the marvelous light. And tonight, Lord, we're so thankful above any and everything that we can say that we are saved. And Lord, we attribute that to your blood, God. It is none of us and all of you, but the blood that you poured out on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago is the reason why we're saved. It's the reason why we can be healed. It's the reason why we can be filled, delivered, victorious, whatever, because you paid the price. And Lord, everything that we need, every benefit, Lord God of Calvary, is ours today because of what you've done and we can receive it by faith. So Lord, we lift up those right now, Lord, that may be watching or will watch watch, Lord, that are sick in their body. God, we're asking, Lord, that you would touch them in a mighty special way. Lord, that the hand of grace, Lord, would reach down and bring to them, Lord God, what you died to give, Lord. God, whether it be healing, Lord God, of diseases, Lord, that there is no cure for, Lord, we know you are the cure for, God. Lord, on down to the common cold, Lord, you died to give us healing, Lord. And God, we claim it right now in the name of Jesus for those, Lord God, that are needing direction and guidance. Lord, we ask that you would touch them, give them the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to make the decisions, Lord, that they need to make. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would just move in this last days, Lord. Bring about, Lord God, the great harvest of souls that we are believing you for, Lord. God, we need another move of your Holy Spirit, God, now more than ever before, Lord. Lord, the only thing that's going to turn this country around, the only thing that's going to turn this world around, Lord, is a touch from you, God. And I pray, Lord, that through all of the chaos and through everything that is going on, that the church, Lord God, your people would return back to you, Lord. That we would return, Lord. That we would rend our heart and not our garments, Lord. That we would turn to you. Lord God and come back to the cross come back to the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that Lord we can go out Lord and tell others about you and, and bring them in Lord to the fold Father God I pray Lord you move one more time and we are believing truly that the best is yet to come Lord I thank you for tonight Lord we pray that you would just move in our Bible study tonight Lord that you would uh, have your way and that your anointing would rest upon us and that the true teacher the true preacher your Holy Spirit would come tonight, Lord, and just intercede and take complete control, Lord, as we hide behind your cross. Anoint those, Lord, that are listening here in the sanctuary and those by the way of internet. Anoint their ears and their hearts. Prepare them, Lord, to receive your word tonight, Lord. May it fall on good ground, Lord, and bring forth much fruit. And Lord, we'll forever give you the praise for it all in Jesus' wonderful, mighty name. Amen and amen. We thank you guys for joining in with us, many more of you. So we're going to Romans chapter 6. 
And we're going to be reading the first four verses. And we have spent the last four weeks uh, dealing with the sin nature. And uh, I felt and uh, that the Lord led me to deal with this because this is a, a phraseology, if you will, a subject that is not known in much of the church today. In fact, if you were to ask many believers, blood-bought children of God, uh, what is the sin nature, they would they can't tell you what it is uh, because there's a lack of understanding. There's a lack of teaching on it. In fact, one person that attends this church had said that they never knew that Romans chapter 6 was about the sin nature and our freedom from it, that they always attributed it to law. But understanding now and the Holy Spirit revealing through this teaching that, hey, this is this is life. This is so important and vital in our walk with the Lord. And so we spent the several first weeks in justification by faith, and then we led into the sin nature. So we're going to be reading the first four verses of chapter six of the book of Romans uh, tonight. And the Bible will say, Paul would write, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, as believers, uh, we have been given a glorious gift, and we are, of course, speaking of salvation. The greatest gift that we could ever receive, the greatest gift that God could have ever given to the world was and is his son, Jesus Christ. And this salvation is given because it saves man from themselves and brings them into a covenant relationship with God. Now, when we say it saves man, from himself, what are we talking about? What we're talking about is that sinful nature, that fallen nature of man that, that, that transpired and took place in the Garden of Eden when Adam fell. And when he fell, it plagued all of humanity. Every boy, every girl, every man and every woman that is born or that and it is living and that has ever lived has been plagued with this horrible nature called the sin nature. The sin nature is the reason for all of the, the crime that you see on TV today. The sin nature is the reason for murder, for, for raping, for abortions, uh, but even on down to lying, to cheating, to stealing, to gossiping, uh, to backbiting, to doubt, to fear, to worry. All of these things is a result from the fall of Adam. And this is what plagues humanity. And before we get saved, the sin nature is ruling and reigning in us, that nature, that inner bent to do evil. And see, that's what people don't understand. Before salvation, there was a bent inside of us to do evil. Well, there were many that would say, well, I didn't do a whole lot of evil. I never killed nobody. I never did any drugs. I never drank any alcohol. It doesn't matter. Your heart is plagued with sin. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things who can know it. And that heart has to be changed. It's diseased by sin. There's no cure for it. There's no solution for it. In fact, Jesus said, I've got to give you a new heart. You've got to be reborn. I'm going to take that heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And it's not going to be ruled by the sin nature anymore. But instead, it's going to be ruled by the divine nature, which is the person of the Holy Spirit, the 
third member of the triunity, amen, the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, the old you can never possess this wonderful nature. And much of the world today that is plagued and has a sin nature that has not been reborn is trying to obtain, possess the same fruit, if you will, that the divine nature can only produce. And that's called self-righteousness. That's called works righteousness. A person that is lost and undone, that is refusing to submit their life to Jesus, that is refusing to give them their heart and to be reborn, but yet they go through the process, they go through life trying to do good things, thinking that it will earn them something with the Lord. But it doesn't matter what good they do, it is still constituted as evil because it comes from the wicked heart. That's hard for man to understand. They don't think that God could ever look at anything good and constitute it as evil. He can because if you've not been reborn and if you've not been regenerated and you've not been saved, then that heart is diseased and it is evil. So even though you do good, it comes from an evil heart. So God constitutes it as sin, no matter how good it may be. It doesn't matter how much the money that you donate to a charity. It doesn't matter how much you volunteer your time. You've got to be born again to be saved, to possess this divine nature that we're talking about, to possess the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who will walk with you, who will talk with yes. you, who will lead you, who will guide you, Thank who you. will convict you, who will counsel you, Thank who you. will comfort you. He will do all of these things in the heart and life of only a blood-bought child of God, not a sinner who refuses to be reborn, not one who just talks about Jesus. I'm talking about people that knows the Lord, knows him in a personal way. See, that's what people don't understand. Christianity is not a religion. That's right. Islam is a religion. Buddhism is a religion. Judaism is a religion. Catholicism is a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship Amen. with Jesus Christ. That's what separates us from all of the other religions of the world. So if you do want to classify it as a religion, okay, but it totally separates us because it's based off of a person where theirs is based off of idols and, and do's and don'ts. Our relationship, our Christianity is based off of a way of life and it's lived through in and through a person named Jesus Christ and him living in and through us. Amen. So again, the old you can never possess this wonderful nature because you was corrupt and possessed this sin nature, which again was that inner bed inside of you that was producing nothing but unrighteousness and unholiness. You see, I said it before, it's like there was a factory. The sin nature is like a factory that is within inside of you before you got saved. And all it was doing was pumping out sin, 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 sin. But the day you got saved, that factory was shut down and a new factory came forth. And that factory now is managed, if you will. The owner of it is the, is the Holy Spirit. And now he's pumping out the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. 
Because it's him who's there. He don't produce anything that's unholy and unrighteous. He produces the fruit of the spirit. So now he comes inside of the heart because you're dead to the sin nature. See, it's not talking about particular acts of sin. Paul is referring to the sin nature. Because if you was to read this in the Greek, you would see the definite article of the T-H-E, before the word sin. And everywhere that Paul mentions sin, you will see the definite article, the. So everywhere that Paul's writing, you should be reading it, shall we uh, um, continue in the sin. It wouldn't make sense in the English, but the D is there. So he's saying, shall we continue in relationship to the sin nature? You've been reborn, you've been rebirthed, so how in the world can you continue in that same relationship to the sin nature before? Before it ruled, it reigned, it controlled, but that was the old you that's dead, that's buried, that's in the tomb, and a new man came forth in Christ Jesus. So that sin nature is not attached to the new man. The new man is born of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's living inside, the divine nature that's ruling and reigning, R-E-I-G-N, reigning in control of us. Amen? See, we were born of Adam, a product of the fallen nature. We were born into iniquity, and therefore that sin nature was what was existing. But again, when you got saved and the old man died, again, the new nature, the divine nature. Do you realize that the divine nature is the very nature of God? Do you realize that you possess the very nature of God inside of you? What makes you think that your talk has changed? What makes you think that it helps you to love your enemies? What makes you think yeah, that you're you, able, Lord. that you now desire to go to church instead of to the bar? What makes you think now that you don't want to pick up that bottle and you don't want to touch some drugs anymore? Because it's not of God. His nature is inside of you and he not only changes your heart, he comes in to dwell and he changes your desires. Yeah. And as if you walk with him and talk with him, he desires to continue to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You want to know what it is? Read Galatians chapter 5, and you will see peace, joy, love, long-suffering. The list goes on, and it's him pumping it out of you so that when man looks at you, and they might have remembered what you were, and they see you now, and they say, my God, what happened? You are not the same. It ain't me. It's Jesus. It ain't me who's doing this. It's Jesus who's living on the inside. I'm dead. I've been crucified with Christ. He's now living inside of me and through me. I'm just sitting back, remaining dead to myself and saying, Lord, come and have your way in me. I'm nothing more but an empty vessel. Empty me of me. Fill me up with you and now live and send me forth. Amen. Amen. So again, too many are trying to pump out the very nature of God as sinners without the born again experience. And it cannot happen. The divine nature, the Holy Spirit, does not dwell in an unclean temple. And we think that we can clean this temple up through acts of, through works and self-righteousness. You can't clean yourself up. And this is probably the hardest thing, especially for us Pentecostals, to realize. And in case you're wondering, yes, we are fully Pentecostal. We believe in the moving and operating power of the Holy Spirit. We believe the book of Acts is alive and well today. Amen. Amen. So 
us Pentecostals seem to think that we can now do it. Once we got saved, you know, the old thing back in the day was, okay, you get saved, then you got to go get sanctified, and then you got to go get uh, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then you're good to go. And listen, you're sanctified the moment that you get saved, because 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that you have been, it tells us what we used to be, but such were some of you, past tense, but you have been washed sanctified and justified. Listen, he had to sanctify you, which means clean you up before he could ever justify you, meaning declare you righteous. You don't declare something righteous that isn't clean. Amen? So he had to sanctify you first so you've been made clean. In the eyes of God, you are clean. You're sanctified. Now I can justify you, my child. You're righteous. You're looked at as never having sinned a day in your life before. That's justification by faith. Now we know that there's still much of us that needs to change. I don't care if you've been serving the Lord for 40 years. You still need to be changed. I need to be changed because none of us have arrived. Amen. Paul said, I press. I press towards the prize of the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He's always looking toward because Paul said, I don't see myself as being apprehended. I am not yet arrived. I'm not arrived. But if I keep my faith anchored in Christ and what he done for me at Calvary's cross, the Holy Spirit is the one who's changing me each and every single day. And it's called progressive sanctification. You see, progressive meaning every day he's cleaning me up and making me more like Jesus because that should be the desire, the greatest desire of every blood-bought child of God above anything should be to be more like Jesus. Right. But for you to be more like Jesus, you've got to stay dead. The old man's got to say that you've got to rest. He is who changes you. You can't change yourself. You can't clean yourself up. That's what's wrong with psychology. That's what's wrong with programs. That's what's wrong now when we take the reading of the word or praying and we turn it into a law and we place our faith in these things and saying that if I do this, I will get victory. Listen, your victory was won for you at Calvary. Your victory was won at Calvary. See, we look at Calvary as just salvation. Everything was purchased at Calvary. You were set free. The moment he said, when you have been set free, you're free indeed. What does that mean? You're free from the burden of sin. You're free from the sin nature, that relationship, the control that the sin nature had over you. You're now free from that. But the reason why some believers, many believers, are still in bondage to certain particular sins is because their faith is not solely anchored in Christ and what he's done. Well, what do I mean by that? You say, what do you mean you're, they're my faith? I believe in Jesus and what he's, that, that he died for me. Yeah, but we're not looking to him on a continual basis to change us. We look to him for salvation, but we don't look to the cross for sanctification. And that is where we mess up. That is why you see a lot of bondages in the life of born-again believers. And people say, well, there's no way they can be saved. Oh, yes, they can. Look at the children of Israel. They were God's children, but they were in what? Egyptian bondage. They were up underneath the mighty hand of Pharaoh, which is a type of God's children that are blood-bought, that are underneath the bondage and the hand of the enemy. They're held in captivity. They can't go free. The taskmasters, if you will, are demon spirits that are ruling, that are controlling, not possessing, but that are, are taking over their will. They don't want to be there, but yet they're there. The children of Israel didn't want to be in Egyptian bondage, but yet they 
they were there. But guess what? Who set them free? It was the Lord. It wasn't them. He sent ten plagues, which turned out to be ten miracles for the children of Israel. All they had to do was sit back and watch. And then finally he said, go get in the house, put the blood on the doorpost, and when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. All you need to do is get in that house, stay in that house, and you will be safe. Everybody else that's not is going to suffer death. But get in that house, which is a type, if we'll get in Jesus and stay in Jesus, no matter what are predicated on the performance of the children of Israel. All he told them to do was get in the house, apply the blood and stay in. He didn't say you better go in there and do this, 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 this. No. Get in the house and apply the blood. Amen. And then when they came to the Red Sea, Pharaoh was after them, trying to bring them back into bondage. Do you see? That is what the enemy wants to do with many children of God, with the believers. There, He's after them to bring them back into bondage. I want to bring them back into captivity. I want to hold them again. There was no way for them to go. It was either trust God and walk by faith or it was go back. And we see that the Lord opened the Red Sea and they walked by faith. And the same Red Sea that delivered them, that bought them their freedom, was the same Red Sea that defeated the Egyptians, showing us that the cross is what set us free from the dominion of the sin nature, while at the same time spoiling principalities defeating every demon spirit. That is why Paul said, I declare to know nothing else among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't want to hear about your philosophy. I don't want to hear about your words. Don't come to me with these $10 words. Don't come to me with something new. You thank you, God. Give me Jesus. Give Amen. me the blood. And every time there was an argument in these epistles, every time these children were getting way off these different churches, he would always bring go back to the cross. Come back to the cross. Come back to the cross. That's why you've got problems. That's what's wrong. Come back to the cross. Because our victory is there. Our freedom is there. And we as children, he has said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So it's not God's will for us to walk around in bondage. But if we don't go his way, guess what? We're going to walk in bondage. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. We're going to the Father and trying to receive something from the Father that he will only give to Jesus. We don't go to him and say, Lord, I've read 10 chapters today. I'm going to get my victory. Or, Lord, I'm going to pray 45 minutes and get my victory. Lord, I'm going to fast for three days. I'm going to do without food. I'm going to deny myself. I'm not going to turn on no TV. I'm not going to sit. I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to hold my Bible real close to my chest, and I'm going to thank on you, Jesus. I'm going to speak in tongues for the next 45 minutes, and surely you'll give me victory. And guess what? You'll never get victory. Because if victory came that way, then Christ died in vain. Right. What did Paul say in Galatians 2? If righteousness, that means the righteousness of Christ, if it comes to you by law, if it comes to you by the works of your own hands, if righteousness comes by the law through what you do, then guess what? Christ has died for nothing is what Paul said. Right. 
That means God messed up. That means that Christ has come down here, suffered a horrible death that he suffered, the torture, the agony, shed his blood for nothing, since you think and you can do it all up on your own. Let me tell you, that is a slap in the face of God. And we're saying, Lord, it's not your provision enough. We need to add my works to it. No, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He don't need you to add anything to it. The provision's perfect. The provision of God is perfect. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away what? The sin of the world. Your sin has been taken away by Jesus Christ. So when your faith is evidenced in him, you've been set free. Victory is now yours. You're victorious in Christ Jesus. So all we need to do is take up the cross, meaning take up what he has done, place our faith in it. Now walk in freedom. Well, what if I fail? What if I got a bondage? Give it to Jesus. Give your failure to Jesus. Well, I messed up two days in a row. You go back to him. Give it to Jesus and say, Lord, I know that you conquered this. I know that my victory was won for me. I'm giving it to you. And let me tell you, when you do that, the Holy Spirit is who moves and brings to you the victory. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit working on your behalf. And he's greater, my friend, than any power of darkness. He's greater than every demon in hell. And he wants you to walk in freedom, but you're going to have to go God's way. You're going to have to believe solely in Christ and what he's done. You can't place your faith in the cross and place your faith in this. But a lot of times we beat ourselves up and should we read? Yes. Should we pray? Yes. Should we go to church? Yes. Should we witness? Yes. I do all of these things each and every single day, but my faith cannot be in the doing of these things. I can't look at the reading of his word and say, God, now you see what I just read. I just said five chapters. Praise God, I'm holy. You got to give to me now what I need. He won't do it because what you need has already been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus. Amen. It got way off my notes, but the Lord knows what it, who needs what. Amen. So this is why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Because self, your flesh, me, you, don't produce anything but works, uh, which is rotten fruit. And let me tell you something. A rotten root can never produce good fruit. The good fruit that we want to come forth first comes from a good root. And that good root is only Jesus Christ. Amen. And so good fruit only comes through him and what he's done. You say, we're the branch. Read John chapter 15 and 5. He said, I am the vine. You are the branch. Now, the last time that I checked, when I look at an apple tree, we look at it and the branch does what? Bears the fruit. But the branch doesn't produce the apples. It's the vine that produces the apple. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branch. Apart from me, you can't do nothing. Guess what? You can't live this Christian life without him. You can't. You couldn't even believe him. He had to give you the faith to turn right around and believe him. He had to give you the love to turn around and love him. We can't even love him without him helping us to love him. We are the branch, and the fruit that we see is not a production of us. I can't produce any fruit. Remember, I'm unrighteous on my own. Paul said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are unrighteous within ourselves. Now, I know we don't like to see that, but it's the truth. We are filthy. 
Me, within myself, I'm filthy. I'm unrighteous. I'm unholy. But in Christ Jesus, I'm righteous. In Christ Jesus, I'm holy. In Christ Jesus, I'm worthy. In Christ Jesus, I'm looked at as never having sinned a day in my life ever before. I'm looked at as perfect and holy because I'm in Jesus on my own no good. That's why I had to be reborn. I had to die and be regenerated, amen? So again, the fruit comes from the vine, amen? So Paul here wants us to know that the sin nature, which we have been discussing the last several weeks, was destroyed. He said, wait a minute, what do you mean? How shall we continue in the sin nature in the same relationship? It's impossible. It's like oil and water. It doesn't go together. There's no way that a true born-again believer is going to continue to live a life of habitual sin each and every single day. It's impossible. It can't happen. There are many people that says, I'm saved. There's many people that says, I'm a Christian. There's many people that says, I know the Lord. But yet they still order their life the same way before they supposedly got saved. My friend, that's not salvation. Salvation changes you on the inside and then on the outside. It's the inward work that will manifest itself on the outside. We, salvation, a, a, a salvation that doesn't produce any change is called a false salvation. And there are many people that are living by the fact that they've got a belief in God, they got a belief in Jesus, but they truly have never accepted what he done for them. They don't know him. Listen, you can know about Jesus. You can know about his perfect birth. You can know about his perfect life. You can know about his healings. You can know about his teachings. You can know all about Genesis and Revelation. You can know all of these things. But knowing about him does not mean salvation. That's association. And association doesn't mean salvation. Salvation means I know him. I'm walking with him. I'm in relationship with him. He talks with me. He walks with me. I know the world says he talks with you. You're crazy. Oh, you may think I'm crazy. Call me what you want. I know the voice of the Lord. And guess what? He said, my sheep know my voice. Amen. I'm his sheep. He's my shepherd. Amen. I walk with him. He's now living inside of me. Even when I'm by myself without people, I'm not by myself. He's right there with me. He don't just stay with us in these four walls. He's with us wherever we go. Amen. Amen. So the presence of God, which is the Holy Spirit, now abides in you and dwells in you because, again, you're a clean temple. Again, he can't abide in an unclean temple. Well, I've got problems in my life. I've got bondages. It doesn't. Listen. In Christ, you're a clean temple. In Christ, the blood of Jesus has washed you. That's the reason why the Holy Spirit can come in. That's the reason why he dwells inside of you. You're not clean on your own. You are a clean temple because you're in Christ Jesus. Well, there's things that I've got battling with. Fear, worry, anxiety, gossip, uh, uh, cigarettes, whatever. I'm struggling with it. I don't want to do these things, but I'm struggling with it. Just like the Apostle Paul did in Romans chapter 7. Oh, wretched man that I am. He said, I've got the willpower. I'm trying to stop it, but yet my members of my body are doing something totally different than what my mind wants to do. Right. And the reason why was because Paul was trying to live by the law because he was trying to do it on his own. And he was so miserable. And he finally said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? Who shall deliver me? And praise be to God, I thank my Lord 
My God, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the deliverer. He realized the meaning of the new covenant was, Paul, you're already delivered. You're trying to keep a law that's already been kept by Christ. You're already victorious. Quit trying to do it in your own strength. Let the Lord do it. Because you can't. You can't save yourself. You can't clean yourself up. Amen. So again, if we don't understand the sin nature and how it works and how it was defeated, then one will never really know what abundant life is. And this is why we're doing this study. This is why the Christian needs to know. Listen, I love to shout. I'm just as Pentecostal as anybody else. I believe it needs to be of the spirit and not of the flesh. Amen. And I believe in the movie. I love to sing and all of this. But this right here is vital to our walk Amen. with the Lord each and every single day. We can't live in church 24 hours, seven days a week. We go out to the real life and we face things each and every single day, every single one of us. And you need to know what's going on so that you know how to so that you know how to combat it. You've got to know what is this about? What is this being in me that's causing me to do this evil? It's the sin nature. Well, how do I get victory over it? By keeping your faith in Christ. Because the average Christian, if you ask them how they stay saved, well, I, I read my Bible. I pray. I've even heard some preachers that will say, well, if I didn't go to church, I wouldn't stay saved. Well, what does that tell us? Faith is in works. Listen, I want you to come to the house of God. I'm here. We want you to come. But your salvation and the keeping of your soul is not predicated upon you walking through these doors. It better be only in Christ and what he's done. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? Yes, the desire is going to be there to want to come. But guess what? There's a whole lot of sinner people that likes to go to church too. So going to church doesn't keep you safe. It's only in Christ. Bible says the just, meaning the justified, shall live by what? Faith. Not by self, not by my own works, but by faith. Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Paul didn't live by going to church. Yes, we're to gather. Yes, we're to read. But your faith can't be in that. Because if I quit coming to church and that my whole salvation is only based off these four walls, then I don't have much to begin with. What does that mean about the shut-ins? What does that mean about people that can't get to the house of God? They're not going to stay saved. They're not going to make it. No, it's by faith. Because even though there may not be people here in the sanctuary, you're joining with us online right now. You're here with us in spirit. The presence of God that we feel here in this house is right there with you as well. The cross was all Paul talked about because of the revelation of the new covenant had been given to him. People said, well, all y'all do is talk about the cross. Really? What do you think Paul talked about all through his epistles? It all pointed back to Jesus. It all pointed back to faith in Christ. Read his terminology, in Christ, through Christ. And every time Paul was referencing Christ, it was always speaking of his atoning work at Calvary. Because you can't have Jesus, the healer, without first having Jesus, the Savior. You can't have Jesus, the baptizer, and the Holy Spirit without the blood. All of these things stem through what and from what he did at Calvary. So that's why Paul was magnified the cross because that's the greatest work. There was everything accomplished for us. But what happens is, is many believers move from the cross and they step right back into bondage. 
They're depending on themselves. And guess what? When that happens, the sin nature revives, Paul said, and then I died. I'm going to fail because the sin nature comes back activated. Listen to me tonight. When you got saved, the sin nature is still there. The sin nature's here in me. The sin nature's in you. The sin nature's in every blood-bought child of God. But the difference between us and the non-believer is that it's no longer raining or it should not be raining. Right. You say you were in a prison bar, if you will. But when Jesus set you free, you came out of that prison jail cell. The sin nature went in the jail cell. So he's the sin nature's there, but it's dormant. It doesn't have control over you. As long as your faith is exclusively, I mean 100% in Christ and what he's done. That is why Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, what's the first thing he said you've got to do? Deny yourself. And that right there is the problem of many believers. They don't want to deny themselves. They want to believe that there is something inherent about them. There's enough good in them to do something to obtain victory over sin. Because the truth of it is, is that we come in here at this church, churches all around, we put on our nice clothes, we put on our makeup, we slick our hair back, we come in here, we raise our hands, we say praise Jesus, and we act like we got a goal going on, and the, and the average Christian has, is struggling with sin in their life. But I can't dare tell nobody about it. You know why? Because you're going to be judged. You don't need to tell anybody about your problem. Tell Jesus about it. He already knows about it anyway. Amen. And so what we're to do is take it to him. But the reason why they're struggling is because they're trying to do it within themselves. They're trying to defeat something. Do you see that? We're not to, the battle's already been won. So when we try to conquer sin in our life, then we're going back and saying, Jesus, what you did wasn't enough. Now, either the blood of Jesus defeated it or it didn't. Which is it? Because we're going to live, we're, we're living and ordering our lives by either way. Either we're going to live by faith and believe that he's done it and allow victory to come to us and allow victory to play out in our lives and us enjoy abundant life or else we're going to be walking in bondage and defeat and that right there will produce nothing more but a miserable Christian. And it's a shame because we should be some of the most happiest people, most right. joyful people upon this world because we've been set free. But many Christians are poured down. They're, 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 they're held in bondage by depression. They're held in bondage by oppression. They're held in bondage by fear, anxiety, many things, the things of the flesh, the sins of the spirit. And it don't have to be that way. Christ sets you free. But the way you're going to be made free right now is by keeping your faith in him. Well, that's just too easy. Yeah, thank God. Because guess what? Sheep are dumb animals. We're sheep. And sheep are some of the dumbest animals because they like to do what? Stray off. And he has to come back and get us. We've got to stay following him. Because if we don't, we're going down a road of destruction and disaster. Colossians 2, 14 and 15 said, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances was that was against us. Past tense. There was a whole lot of things against me and you. But guess what? They're gone now because of the blood of Jesus. It says, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it where? To his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, um, uh, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What does that mean when it says, and having spoiled principalities and powers? What that means is, is Jesus went to Satan's house and took everything back. 
Everything that was lost in the fall in the garden, everything that was lost, Christ won back for us at Calvary. He spoiled the house. You read in the Old Testament how they would go and spoil their goods. They would take it back. Jesus went to the house of Satan and said, hey, you stole the healing. You stole the victory. You stole communion. You stole this and stole that. I've come to take it all back. It's now for my children, for whosoever shall believe. And the moment that you said yes to Jesus Christ, you received all of the spoil. You've got all of the benefits of Calvary's cross at your experience. Exposure. That means, and the greatest of outside of salvation is walking in victory. Listen, sin shall not, the sin nature shall not have dominion over you, is what Paul said. You should have dominion over it. You should be walking on top of the serpents. Amen. But you're only going to do it in Christ yeah. by staying in Christ. So again, when he said he triumphed over them, it meant it was a com complete work and now means we can walk in power and in victory. He spoiled them. He made an open show of them. It's almost like, hey, devil, what you going to do now? I just defeated you. And let me tell you, at the cross, when he shed his blood and cried, it is finished, he sent every devil in hell packing and running that day. That's why Satan didn't want him going to the cross. That's why he worked through Peter, spoke through Peter and said, God forbid, you're not going to the cross. And he looked at Peter, but it wasn't Peter, it was a Satan, and said, get thee behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was speaking to Satan that was trying to speak through Peter. He said, you savor us not the things of God. Satan didn't want Christ going to the cross because he knew that right there would set man free from the bondage that he had on man. But Christ went to the cross for which he was came down here for, paid the ultimate sin debt that you and I can never pay, purchased our salvation, and purchased our our victory over sin. That we can walk free from the burden of sin. Listen, does that mean we preach sinless perfection? Absolutely not. Because the Bible doesn't preach sinless perfection. We're going to fail. It ain't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But we don't have to be in bondage to sin. So this lie that many people are preaching, you've got to sin a little bit every day, is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Paul said, sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? You've been set free. It can't have dominion over one that's in Christ Jesus. The sin nature had never had dominion over Christ. He lived a perfect life. But the only way is sin nature is not going to have dominion over you. The only way you're not going to continue to stay in bondage is by getting out of Christ, by moving your faith away from Christ and what he's done. That's why he said, deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. You'll never be able to follow him and his way of life that he has ordered for you and I to live. That prescribed order of victory will only come by first denying yourself, realizing you've got no abilities to do this. There's no good about you. There's no talent. There's no gifts. There's nothing you've been endowed with that can help you to win victory. Deny yourself. Say, Lord, I can't do this. But you can help me. And right there, you've got the help of the Holy Spirit. He just wants you to get to that place and says, you can't do it. I want you to realize this. But many Christians won't still deny themselves. But guess what? They're going to come to that place because all of us go through Romans chapter 7. If the Apostle Paul went through it, I guarantee it, all of us are going through it. And many believers are there right now. But he's saying, hey, listen to me. You don't have to. You've been set free. This is the mechanics, the machinery. Chapter 6 tells us what the cross is 
done for us. Chapter 7 of Romans tells us what happens when we try to go back to the law. All it's going to be is defeat. But chapter 8 tells us, and that's where the Lord wants to get us to, complete perpetual victory in the life of a believer that says, now there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in where? Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, meaning not walking after what I can do, but walking after the Spirit. Amen. So if there, it was there I was saved. It was also there every power of darkness was defeated. It was there they were made an open show of. It was there your victory was purchased. And if there is not a continual proclamation of the cross, if there's not a continual pointing back to Calvary, if there's not a continual preaching of the cross of Christ, giving the latitude of the Holy Spirit to work within our lives, we're going to start looking to ourselves. Within that Luke 9.23 of denying yourself, taking up the cross and following me, there's a key word in there. Daily. Because if we don't do that daily, you will revert back to bondage. You will revert back to law, which is bondage. You will begin to try to live this Christian life by the means of your own ability, placing your faith in it, and then guess what's going to come? Failure. What do you think that nature is that's still there that wants control when you're driving down a highway and somebody pulls out in front of you and all of a sudden it ain't praise the Lord that comes out of your mouth? And I ain't saying it's just a four-letter word. It could be, you idiot! Right. Oh, that's real Christ-like, ain't it? Oh, you just poured out upon me! Oh! That's that same nature. But see, those are the things the Lord wants to change about us. See, we don't view stuff like that as sin because nobody can see it. Oh, that's not that bad. Sin is sin. Yeah. He wants to give us victory over it. Amen. Without a continual evidence of faith in the cross and the activity. Listen, we're not talking about the wooden beam. People think when we mention the cross, well, you're talking about the wooden beam. No, there's no power in that wood. The power is in the person Jesus Christ who hung there on the wood and what he there did. So when we talk about the cross, we're not talking about the wood. We're talking about what took place there, which was the death of Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that we need to be transformed and we're to live a holy sacrifice life. But the transformation comes by the renewing of our mind. What does that mean? Your mind has to be renewed every day. And I'm not talking about meditation. I'm not talking about this cuckoo stuff that people the, that the, uh, the world tells you to do to clear your mind, empty your body out. Don't go that way. That's the powers of darkness. When it says renewing of your mind, meaning let me get my mind in track. Where's, let me get my heart in track. Where is my faith today? Paul said to examine yourselves to see if you be of the faith. Is my faith solely? What do I mean by solely? Is my faith completely resting in what Christ done, or am I also looking to myself? And if we would truly ask ourselves that and ask the Lord to reveal us, Lord, is my faith solely resting in you? He will show you if it's not. That don't mean he's kicked you out. You're saved. But he wants you to look solely to him. We've got to look only to him and what he's done. We look to him for salvation, but then we want to look to ourselves for sanctification. And you can't. Sanctification and salvation come by the same way. The blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
The only way that the Holy Spirit can have complete control over us and rid us of sin and the junk that is within our life is to continually renew our minds, okay? And he wants to rid us of us. You say, well, what do you mean junk in me? How do you know there's something there? Because you're alive and breathing. Because I know that none of us have arrived. Well, I don't know what's wrong with me. Pray what uh, the uh, King David prayed. Lord, search my heart. Right. Reveal me. Show me my own thoughts. Lead, show me the wickedness that's within me. And then guess what? Lead me to the way everlasting. Because then when he reveals the wickedness that's within you, when he reveals that junk, and guess, you hold your britches because it ain't pretty. But guess what? Take it to the cross. That's the way everlasting. Take it to Jesus and let him wash you of it. Because when you say, search my heart, oh God. See, a lot of Christians don't pray that. When's the last time you prayed, search my heart, oh God? See, we want him to search everybody else's heart, but we don't ever want him to search our heart. There's enough of us to worry about right here oh, yeah. instead of worrying about everybody else. Amen. All right. All right. So again, we find here in verse 3, I'm moving along. we got 10 more minutes. In verse 3, uh, we find here the answer. So Paul, uh, Adam, Malik says, God forbid you shall not stay in the same relationship to the same nature. In fact, it's impossible because you've been changed. You're, you're a new person. There's no way that you can still remain in sin in connection to the same nature as before. God forbid because we are dead, meaning we're dead to that relationship to the same nature. You're dead to the relationship. What do you mean that I'm dead? The old man died that was controlled by the sin nature. You're a new man. So you, therefore, that new man don't have the same relationship to the sin nature as before. There's a new sheriff in town. Amen. It's the Holy Ghost who's living on the inside of the born again believer. Amen. So verse 3 then tells us, do you not know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So now Paul deals with the sin nature and again the relationship in verse Verse 1 and 2. And he now tells us, do you not understand? Hey, when you got saved, you were baptized into his death. Now, many people read verse 3 and they automatically constitute it as water baptism. And that's not true. Paul was not talking about water baptism. Paul's emphasis of our walk with the Lord was not on water baptism. I know that a lot of that is going around in the churches today. Should you be water baptized? Yes, Jesus did it. Does it affect whether or not you're going to go to heaven? Absolutely not. Salvation, the only requirement to get to heaven is to be blood-bought. That's the only thing that matters. You could be dunked in every pool, every creek, every body of water, and know every fish by its first name. That will not mean you're going to get to heaven. It's only by the blood you're going to get to heaven. But we should go on to be water baptized because Christ was. But it will not affect your sanctification, your walk with the Lord anyway. That's just an outward expression of an inward faith of what's taking place. Amen. But here Paul is saying when you've been baptized into his death, meaning you've been immersed. Baptism of water, we know, is meaning that person is completely immersed underneath the water. 
You've been baptized into Jesus Christ, meaning all of you has been fully submerged into the death of Calvary, into the death of Jesus Christ. So in the eyes and mind of God, the moment that you said yes to Jesus Christ, the moment you came to him and evidenced faith, that moment right then, God placed you, the old man, into Christ, where Christ died. So in the eyes of God, you died. The day that Jesus died, you also died as well, the moment that you said yes to him. And as Jesus was buried, you were buried as well. But guess what? Jesus came forth and so too did you came forth in newness of life. You came forth as a new creature. Just as Jesus didn't come bound up and wasn't bloody and bruised up and all of that, that old man didn't come up. He didn't put a band-aid over the old man and say, now come forth. No, the old man's dead. A new man has come forth. So Paul is saying, hey, do you not know you've been baptized unto Christ? You've been immersed unto his death. There's no way that you can continue in sin. There's no way he can have control over you because Christ defeated sin. He defeated death when he resurrected that day three days later. Amen. Amen. So we got to get this tonight that we weren't just saved from sin, but you were set free from the dominion and the power of the sin nature. Christ paid the price. He settled, he, he, he conquered every sin there at Calvary. Well, how do you know? Because he resurrected. Because had he not paid for every sin, had he not defeated every sin, he would have never come forth out of that grave. But because he came out of that grave three days later, that means that every single sin was defeated that day. So when you died with him and you raised the newness of life, hey now, the sin nature can't have control over me. He can't have dominion over me. He conquered it. And now the Bible says that I am now made more than a conqueror. We're made conquerors. Why? Through our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. So the answer for sin is laid out in this verse, and it's the cross. So Paul says, hey, you got a problem. Right here's the answer. It's the cross. That's the answer for sin. So God introduced you, the believing sinner, to a new union with Christ Jesus in order for you to live. So see, your environment changed. Your father before salvation was Adam. You were of the federal head, Adam. And that's why sin was in control because Adam fell and lost it all. He went from God consciousness down to the low level of self-consciousness. But when you got born again, you're now underneath a new federal head and his name is Jesus, amen, who knew no sin but came a sin offering for us, amen. So this is why faith in Jesus. You see, faith in Jesus says, I'm confident that the Holy Spirit will work in my life. But faith in works to try and defeat sin says that I'm confident in myself that I can do it. Faith in Christ says that I know and I'm confident that the Holy Spirit will work in my life. But faith in myself and in my own works says that I'm confident in me. And let me tell you, when you're confident in yourself, you're going to be let down each and every single time because you're going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to stay in bondage because we don't understand what happened to this sin nature, this inner bent that is trying to make us do wrong. Listen, it was handled at Calvary. Quit saying no to sin and start saying yes to Jesus Christ and what he did. See, that's the problem. We're saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. 
Well, when we say that, guess what? You're placing faith in yourself. You're placing faith in your own willpower. Quit saying no to sin and start saying yes to the victory that he won for you. You don't have to listen to the taunts of the enemy. You don't have to succumb to his temptation. You know why? Satan, you were defeated. That's that old man you have control over. You don't have control over here. I've got a new king. I'm now led by the Holy Spirit. So quit focusing on the failure. Focus on the faithfulness of Christ. Focus on his finished work and let him handle the problem for you. And realize, hey, it's already been handled. Glory. We're trying to defeat something that's already been defeated. Amen. Last thing. Again, when we try to do it, it's self-righteousness. But self-believing, it can produce only what the Holy Spirit can produce. And this is why Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize Paul said, God forbid? Because if I produced it, if I could, then who would you boast in? You wouldn't be boasting in Christ. You would boast in yourself. Paul said, God forbid that I should glory in anything else except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He used the word cross, talking about the death. God forbid. Don't ever let me boast in myself. Let me boast in him. Let me celebrate him. Let me celebrate what he has done yeah. for me. Let me boast and proclaim of what he's done. Because there was where my salvation was purchased. There was where my freedom was purchased. That is where my life comes from. So I'm not boasting in me. I sure ain't going to boast in any other man. I'm boasting in the man who bled and died for me. Who won my victory so that now I can go free. Just like the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. In John chapter 8, he said, Woman, where are thine accusers? There is none, Lord, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. How could he look at her and tell her to go sin no more after she had just lived a life of that adultery continuously in it? The reason why is because he set her free. And he's looking at you and I tonight. I've set you free. Go and sin no more. Meaning, don't be tied down to that same relationship of the sin nature. You've been set free. But see, if we don't understand this and we don't hear about the sin nature and we don't understand that all sin was defeated, we're going to automatically revert to law. We're going to revert back to ourselves. This is why there needs to be an understanding of truly of what Paul's talking about in chapter 6 and that our victory comes through Christ and what he's done. You've been baptized unto his death. You, the believing sinner, when you came to Jesus, you died with Christ. And now you're resurrected as a new man, newness of life, freedom, liberty, now to live for you, Jesus. I can now live for you, whereas before I never yes. could. Amen. 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 I hope you've enjoyed it tonight. We hope you have enjoyed this word tonight as well. We believe that something has been said that has been a tremendous blessing you. to you and that I believe and pray that will impact your walk with the Lord. And let me say this tonight. If you're struggling with something, I pray that these words that I have spoken that the Lord has given me to give to you will resonate in your heart. And if you maybe have messed up, don't quit. Don't quit on the Lord. That's what Satan wants you to do. Don't quit on him. If you don't quit, God won't quit. He's pulling for you. He's got too much invested in you. He sacrificed his son for you. And all he wants you to do is come to him, leave whatever it is you're struggling with at his feet. Realize that he defeated it. Take up what he's done and say, Lord, I'm going to go free. By faith, I'm believing that you're going to take this from me. Well, what happens if I fail? Go back to the cross. And if you don't quit, 
Victory will be yours, amen? And you'll believe it. Believe what I'm telling you tonight. Victory will be yours. Amen. He wants it for you. He died to give it to you, so let him give it to you, amen? Let it come to you. Let the Holy Spirit work it out in you because he's the only one that can. And realize your position in Christ Jesus is a victorious position, amen? You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from a place of victory that's already been won for you. Amen. We love each and every single one of you tonight. Be with us in church. Come. We'll, we, we will have a tremendous service Sunday morning, a praise and worship and the preaching of the word, 1030 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sunday evening. If you cannot be here uh, and it's too far or for whatever circumstances, join in with us online. You don't want to mess it. I believe the Lord has gave me a word, uh, a timely word, not only for me, but for the body of Christ for this Sunday morning. We love you. You need us. Reach out to us. Leave your prayer requests to us and comments. We're here for you. My number's on the page. If you ever need us, we're here for you. We love each and every single one of you, and God bless.